the point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy. Who is good? Hashtag glue guy. Hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holik to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Welcome to Liberty Blue, the essential New York Rangers podcast. I'm Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis. And Nick, we had a tremendous special episode on Friday. If you missed it, Hall of Famer Sam Rosen joined us to talk Rangers at the All-Star break. After you watch or listen to us tonight, head back and listen to that conversation. Most importantly, though, above all else, happy birthday, old man. Thank you. It, it's very over. I found a gray beard, a gray hair in my beard this morning when I was trimming up my neck beard because I'm going to the game tonight. Had to be presentable in public. Really starting to feel the essence of my mortality, especially <laughs> as I see these draft picks for 2025 and 2026 come into these trades. So yeah, it's very over. My knees were hurting when I woke up this morning because it's a little cold. So not great, but and it's not great. The Rangers are coming off, you know, an all-star break where they're going to play Colorado. Uh, the only thing working in their favor is the fact that McKinnon and McCarr were in Toronto and doing all-star game stuff. I mean, the Rangers aren't are going to have a uh, quick tonight because Shesterkin played in the all-star game. So they're giving Shesterkin an extra day. They've got games later in the week. But just looking at everything right now, they are still in first place. The Penguins, the Devils, the Islanders, the Hurricanes. I am operating under the assumption that even though the Islanders and the Devils in particular both kind of look like a mess, I'm operating under the assumption those two teams will make a run at some point in the next month. And for the Rangers, it's not necessarily just the wins and losses. It is how they are playing. We've highlighted this season that when the Rangers have gone well, it has looked very smooth. It has been clean puck recovery. clean zone exit transition and then either a decisive dump the puck in and go and get it or a clean zone entry where the person carries the puck through the neutral zone enters the zone and gets reinforcements when they have been what they've been for the last month the other teams have baited them into really bad mistakes if you go back and watch the tape from the carolina game or the vancouver game Vancouver and Carolina didn't do anything special. They just baited the Rangers into making mistakes over and over again. And tonight against Colorado, that's a very well-structured team with really high-end talent that is more than happy to let the Rangers shoot themselves in the foot. It's it, first of all, uh, coming off of an all-star break and your first team is Colorado is tough. That's always a tough matchup to play, but I, I am interested to see how the Rangers not play the first 10 minutes. Like we all know the first 10 minutes are going to be really slow for both teams a- after not playing for a week. And you know, your best players are in a different city, different country, essentially just partying for a weekend. It's tough to come back and then play like it's game seven of the, of the cup final off the ripper. So the first 10 minutes, maybe the first period is going to be pretty slow, pretty, you know, a lot of, a lot of grind stuff, but I am curious to see how the Rangers play over the course of those next 40 minutes, because the, the overarching theme, the past couple of weeks is the Rangers need this all-star break so they can reset that they need a break, they need a breather. They've been playing subpar, let's just say, for the past two months. They need to, they they just need this week off 
to to essentially just hit the you know turn the turn the PlayStation off, sleep for a little bit, and then recharge and then head back for a new day. If they play the same way that we've seen over the past two months against Colorado, we have a problem because you know our obviously you know the world doesn't work like this, but we we think of the All Star break as as a as a hard reset for 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 guys and for players. And if they come back and they look exactly the same as they have been prior to the break, that's a red flag. That's a problem. I I just want to see some kind of, you know, some kind of cohesion. I want to see them get into better habits than they have been because these past couple of months, one game, they looked okay. The next, they look like an unmitigated disaster. The next, they looked okay. I want to see some consistency out of this group, and it starts tonight. I want to see progress. That's my biggest key here. I don't necessarily need them to rattle off eight out of 12, though that would be nice. I would like to see tangible progress. I know there's been some tinkering with the defensive pairs. We're going to get another look because Truba still got one game left on his suspension. I know they're going to run Miller and Schneider tonight. I'm curious to see how that looks. I, We talked a lot about the idea that this group is what they are, and it's on them. All of the names that are out there as far as trades – None of those guys is saving this group. No one out there is going to make that much of a difference to say, wow, they brought in so-and-so and he entirely swung the season. There's not a player available of that caliber. The only player who might even be remotely available of that caliber is Jacob Chikrin. And the Rangers value their own guys too much to say, well, we don't like our defense. We need to improve our defense. That is the only player I think of the tier that could genuinely swing a season is Chikrin. And he's not on the Rangers radar. They have the left hand. They have five left-handed defensemen all readily available. Whether or not they actually trust Zach Jones or Matthew Robertson, another conversation, but helps not help that is going to dramatically change things is not coming. The one thing I will say that help could do is make the lineup a little better by putting guys in a position better to succeed. If you bump Wheeler down a line, you bump Kako down a line, that makes your second, your third line a little bit better, your fourth line gets a little bit better. That might not necessarily change how good your team is, but it'll make you a little more competitive on a nightly basis. It will give you less dead minutes where you're treading water and just hoping not to get caved in. And that's really been the story of the season. Ever since they had the injuries at the end of November, they've effectively become a one-line team at five-on-five and a two-line team for pretty much all situations. All the goal scoring comes from their top six. Aside from Will Cooley, there's not a lot of contribution coming in from the bottom half of their lineup. So sure, maybe you add a Frank Vetrano and they can bump Kako down to the third line or they bump Wheeler down to the third line. Or you add, I don't know, an Adam Henrique to your third line and that allows you to bump Goudreau down to your fourth line that type of thing we're just deepening your lineup may not may not give you a whole lot of improvement but at the very least it will give you less dead minutes because that's a real issue right now the rangers do not have a lot going on at five on five and we're going to talk a little bit about zbinjad and Kreider in a bit because i pulled some good numbers but it's on those guys it's on them it's on panarin it's on trocek and especially it's especially on the defenseman, not named Adam Fox. So the other five guys, they got to pick it up in the second half. As much as we want to get on the forwards for the five-on-five play, other than Adam Fox, there's not a single defenseman on this team having a good season right now. The thing about the trade deadline right now, and it's tough for Chris Drury, I understand that. When your supposed second-line center is out for not only the season, but who knows if slash when he'll come back, 
okay, well, that money you can at least sort of play with and, and have some some kind of leverage there, but you don't have a lot of cap space elsewhere. Unless you maybe maybe you trade Goudreau somewhere, but that requires a sweetener, if that, probably more, to get to get Goudreau's contract off the books. Like you, you, the Rangers don't have you know, $30 million to play with to get a first, a first line winger, a third line center, 17, you know, bottom six guys to, to fill out the roster. They don't have the space. So the team that is currently on the ice, sure, there will be reinforcements, but you know, Sidney Crosby is not walking through that door. Connor McDavid's not walking through that door. Like there's, I don't know what, the Rangers are expecting at the deadline unless something magical happens where there's a, a star player that's not making a lot of money, just appears out of thin air and, and wants to go to the Rangers, the Rangers trade for him. But realistically, they don't have a lot of flexibility to, to make these big, massive, drastic changes to the roster. So this is the team for the most part, whether, you know, whether they like it or not, whether we like it or not, this is the roster. So if they don't start playing more like an actual team and not just have one line out there contributing at five on five or most of the offense that we have a massive problem because this is going to be the team come to the playoffs and okay well if you play like this now like we talked about last year there's no magic switch you could just flip on and all of a sudden start scoring goals they they were mad at themselves for doing it last season here we are again we talked about this last week at the end of the day, everybody not named Panarin, Trocek, and Lafreniere have to get going at 5-on-5 five five or else this team isn't going anywhere. I had an interesting conversation over the weekend with somebody, and he asked me point blank, do you think it makes sense for the Rangers to burn future assets with Shesterkin being so up in the air? And I thought that was a fair question. I think we have to compartmentalize like logic versus general manager logic because there's no justifiable way Chris Drury can look at Dolan in the face and say, yeah, I don't want to add anything to this team because the goalie we're paying five and a half million dollars a year to isn't good. There's no world where that's going to happen. But I can understand an argument that, hey, this group just doesn't have the juice. I don't know if I want to burn a first round pick. I don't want to burn at prospects. I can understand a world where that logic makes sense but based on how this season has gone. And, you know, it's good Shesterkin went to the All-Star game. It's good he had a good time. But God, could he have used the weekend to just reset and come into the second half with a little bit of juice? I mean, we talked about it with Sam. We talked about it. We've talked about it a lot. He's extremely hard on himself. He knows he needs to be better. And it's kind of fulfilling the self-defeating cycle where he knows he needs to be better. He's letting in stinkers. He's letting up the two goals in 45 seconds to a minute. That's really swung games, especially against the good teams. I don't think there's a world where the Rangers don't add at the deadline. But I do think I understand that line of questioning that, hey, if the goalie's not who he is, there's no point. I mean, we talked about that last week, but if Shesterkin can't be, you know, 80% of what he usually is, they're a guaranteed first round exit, no matter who they're playing. I do think he looked pretty pretty good at the All Star at the All Star weekend. Now I understand. I mean, I didn't watch all of it, and I understand it's the All Star weekend, so not everyone's really trying. But it it did look like he made some pretty good saves from what from what I saw, and I think he, it looked like he just had a good time. Yeah, it looked like he had fun, and maybe and we talked about this before, where if he really didn't want to go, the Rangers would not have sent him. Yeah, I'm sure. 
I'm sure they they had a meeting and they were like, okay, well, do you actually want to go or do you, can, should we send out a, a presser that like you have some hamstring thing and you need a week to, to rest? And he, you know, clearly he wanted to go. So I'm sure he had a good time. I'm sure he looked like he was enjoying himself and he had a, you know, the all-star game, all-star weekend's ever a serious thing and everybody just kind of goes there to, to talk to each other and, and party for the most part. So I'm sure he had a fun time. Uh, maybe that's what he needed instead of just sitting at home for a weekend. Maybe he just needed to go to a party. Maybe, maybe that was it. Who knows? But I am interested to see how he plays. I know he's not playing tonight, but on Wednesday, I also think that with all of his struggles, I do really think that come playoffs, they won't be there. I think Shisterkin one of those players that, understands he's struggling come you know january december whatever but come game one he's dropping a 950 like that's just the kind of player that he is and i understand like he, he had some struggles against pittsburgh a few years ago and all that but for the most part he's been incredible and i kind of think that that's the kind of pattern that we'll see we talked about this earlier on in the year i would rather people struggle now yeah. Then struggle come the playoffs. So if 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 Shisterkin is getting all of this out in December and January, and then he and then he's a you know a con Smythe winner come June, fine by me. That's fine. I agree with you in that respect. The one last thing I'll say on Shisterkin before we move on. I think there's a real um I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. I think this is a case where the team is kind of realizing what they actually are. Because they don't have the all-world goaltending. I know a lot of people in the past have said, well, Shesterkin's part of the team. He gets to be included in why the Rangers have the optimism they do. That's always been the counterpoint to the Rangers aren't that good at five on five. That, oh, well, Shesterkin's part of the team too. This is one of the reasons why it is a risky proposition to build around your goalie. And this is not a knock on Shesterkin. He is a genuinely good player. But good goalies have bad seasons. Look at Demko's numbers from last year in Vancouver. Look at his numbers now. Look at Jacob Markstrom's numbers last year versus this year. Goaltending, even really good goalies do have... Look at Sorokin right now. Look at Vasilevsky right now. It is not a coincidence that even the greats have up and downs because that position is so volatile. And the last thought, uh, I really hope Swayman rubbed off some of the luck on him when he gave him that hug because God, (laughs) does he need it. He couldn't stop a beach ball at certain points this season. So God willing, they stole a little bit of the Bruins goalie voodoo. Demko didn't want the hug. You yeah, see yeah, I he, did see he that. He walked right by him. He, he he doesn't care for that goalie hug. Everybody else was was given the was given the big uh, bear hugs, and Demko just walks on by. I don't know how I feel about that. It's a good question. I really do. That is a really good question. Okay, I think a lot of us. I, I think a lot of us who have tried to diagnose what's different and what's not working. I think we've all centered around this idea that the Criders have been a jet pair. It's missing something. Whether what you think they're missing generally comes down to your perspective on what makes a good line in today's game. In my opinion, and what I think the numbers bear out a little bit, and we'll talk about the numbers in a minute, they do not have somebody who facilitates for them. They do not have somebody who carries the puck through the neutral zone, who creates zone entries, because when you go and look at the data, 
They don't get the puck into the offensive zone with possession a ton. When they have to dump the puck in because they can't get clean zone entries, they don't recover loose pucks. When they get to the offensive zone, they create chances at a lower than average rate. When they get there, Zabinijad shoots more than he passes, but he doesn't shoot from particularly dangerous areas. So when you add all of those little pieces together, that's telling you that A, defenses are not respecting the other winger, whoever's playing with them, whether that be Wheeler or Kako. Two, it's telling you that Zabinijad is deferring too much. It's telling you that he's not getting to dangerous areas. And we we all know what Chris Kreider is. He's a very good hockey player, but he's not he's not on that first line because of his playmaking ability. He's there to park himself in front of the net and be there in transition. We have talked about this. I've written about this since 2019. The Rangers and Zabinijad Kreider especially are very dependent on those odd man rushes, those counterattacks, those cross-seam passes to generate their offenses. Good teams shut that down. I think a lot of people try to rationalize the way they play together by looking at the counting stats at the end of the year. And don't get me wrong, Zabinijad had 90-something points last year, 85-something points. He's a good hockey player. But the difference between, say, Zabinijad and, say, I don't know, Elias Pedersen or Braden Point, you know, that next tier up. It's not that Zabinijad isn't good. It's that the Rangers, if they want to get where they need to go, they need him to get to that next level. I saw somebody tweet, I want to say a week or two ago, a lot of you guys don't respect Zabinijad. He's the best center you've ever seen in your life. That's also part of the reason the Rangers have never won anything in my life is Zabinijad is good. To win a Stanley Cup, you need your first line center to be great. Genuinely great. And that's really the conundrum they have. They have a lot of good players. They probably have two great players in Shesterkin when he's right and Adam Fox. The question that you have to ask yourself as a Rangers fan or, you know, I'm, in my head, Chris Drury is listening to this episode. The question you have to ask yourself is, can Mika Zibanejad single-handedly take over a game seven? If... Zabinajad wanted to take over a game and call it the Zabinajad game in a game seven. Could he do that? Have we seen him do that? Actually, now that you mention that, the best hockey game I have ever seen Mika Zabinajad play. And this is going to sound crazy from the guy who was at the five goal game against Washington. The best game I ever saw Mika Zibanejad play in person was game six against Ottawa in 2017 when they lost. Him, Buchnevich, and Kreider were in the offensive zone. I want to say 18 of the 23 minutes of that game. They only had one goal. He can take over games, but I think we have all been trying to figure out what is Also, how many years ago was that? Six. Yeah. Has I he mean, done? They, has he done that? He's he's got he's he got the five goal game like that. That was a, that was a great game, and he could he, he had two goals in game six against Carolina. I want to say in twenty twenty two. I'm trying to th- like yeah. He's had moments. He's definitely had moments. Sure. But we I think the big thing, and I think you and I are in agreement. We want consistency. Yeah. We want to see sure. him use this ability that we know he has. More than just, you know, once a week, once every few weeks. He has the ability to be that good. It's just a matter of finding what it takes to bring that out. I think that's yeah. the frustration. And that's the thing. Well, I asked Sam, we, uh, you know, we asked him that on, on Friday. It was like, Zabinajad and, and Kreider have so much talent. They're such talented players. But where are they more consistently? 
they, they it's not like they just leaves it's not like their talent you know is paid part-time to be there and sometimes is there sometimes it's not like they they have it within themselves but they for some reason choose not to show it off every game i'm like that bless you i don't know <laughs> Like, I don't know where it goes on a, on a night to night basis. Like, and that's one of the things that I worry about with that top line is, yeah, they have the ability. We've seen Kreider dominate play when he wants to. We've seen Zabinajet dominate play and games when he wants to. The problem is, is that as we've seen, he doesn't want to do it all the time. And I like, and and Sam, you know, tried his best to to not be overly negative. He, you know, he said that being a first line center is a very tough job, which I'm sure, which it is. No one's arguing that it's not. But when you are paid as much as Abinajet is to be the star center on a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, you have to ask yourself: Is Mika Abinajet the the star center the Rangers need in order to win the Stanley Cup? Can he, if needed? deliver the cup to the Rangers. Does he have the talent? Does he have the drive to make that happen? That's the, like, that's, that's the biggest question right now, because if the, if, if your answer is no, well, then the Rangers are not going anywhere because they, his contract is up at the end of the universe's life cycle. And, no, like no one's gonna trade for like, like the Rangers talk with them essentially. So if your answer to that question is no, okay, well now what? Because you're stuck with them. So where do you go from here? That, but if your answer is yes, then okay, well we need Zabinajet to to show it more than once every whenever when he chooses to. And same thing goes with Kreider. Kreider has all the talent in the world. He needs to like he has incredible speed. I don't really see him use it a lot for some reason. He has an incredible shot, which he doesn't like to use a lot for some reason. I need to see more talent from the talented players if we really want to call ourselves cup contenders. So building off of that, I think one thing we can say is they lack range within their game. They like playing a very specific style. And when they are at their best, when they are controlling the flow of the game, when they're generating rush opportunities, when they're pushing the net, getting those two-on-ones, three-on-twos, that's where they thrive. When we've seen them struggle, it's when other teams clog the neutral zone, force them to dump the puck in, and then go and get it. Zabinijad and Kreider are pretty good skaters, both of them. Not Kreider is overly fast. Zabinijad, decent skater in terms of speed. Both reasonable skaters, but neither particularly good at forechecking, pressuring, forcing turnovers, the type of stuff you need if you're going to dump the puck in. Neither carries the puck into the offensive zone at a particularly high rate. So you're already seeing a theme here. They're struggling to get the offensive zone consistently. When they get there, they're not getting the puck that consistently. And when they do get the puck there, they don't generate a lot. They are very often a one-and-done type team when they get the zone because as soon as they get the zone, they're looking for that rush opportunity, which depending which definition you use is anywhere between one and five seconds of entering the offensive zone. And when you shut down those rush opportunities, they're not great at cycling. They are not great at the types of prolonged, sustained offensive zone shifts you need to be successful. I know everybody gets 
caught up on this idea of you need big defensemen for the playoffs because you need to be able to sustain those long sustained offensive zone defensive zone times where it's a lot of battling down low and we have seen Kreider and Zabinijad struggle in playoff series where they are kept off the rush when you force them to play slow and structured that's where they struggle when they are able to open things up turn it into we have more skill than you. That's where they thrive. You think about when they're at their best, it's those crossing passes that cannot be stopped because the goalie is out of position. When you force them to slow it down and make good decisions as opposed to play with instinct, that's where you expose them and why, you know, we talk a lot about you need to have a level of dynamic ability to be an impact player at a certain level, like the difference between, say, Zabinijad and Trocek. Like, Zabinijad genuinely has a level of dynamic ability that Trocek just doesn't have, and that's not a knock on Trocek. But there's a tier above that where, okay, I'm not getting the zone with speed. What am I going to do now? Okay, if I'm going to dump it in, I have to go and be able to get it. And we don't see that from Zabinijad and Kreider. So I don't think it's a matter of not trying or not being not um not wanting to i think it's genuinely they don't have the means to play that way against every type of opponent because ev- not every team plays them the exact same way well that's the biggest difference between guys like spinachad and and to us and also Kreider and guys that can dominate whole series right and and the Granted, those guys don't grow on trees, right? Like these, these, these playoff takeover type caliber players on the first line. Also, they, they don't, you know, not every team has 18 of them. Like that's the whole point is that they're a very rare breed and, and coming across one is, is really difficult. But the, the problem that I have is if your offense is, is essentially only being, you know, created off of rushes, then you're a one dimensional player. Same thing with, you know, if, if, if you're only scoring the power play or if you're only doing one thing, you're a one dimensional player. The best forwards in the league can create offense out of thin air. That that's, those are the kinds of players that can just dominate entire series where the the rest of the team has nothing and they're being canceled out by the other by the other team and it's it's a real battle it's a real struggle and then all of a sudden the 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 best player on the team steps up to the moment finds a seam through three players and and scores and scores the goal and the team wins like obviously that that's very movie esque to for that to happen but these are the kinds of players that are true game changers. And that's the kind of thing that we need to see from the top line for the Rangers, no matter who's on, no matter who's on it, whether it be Zbigniew, Kreider, Kako, who, insert player name here. If you want to be the first line player on a Stanley Cup contender team, you need at least one guy that can create offense out of nothing. If your top dogs only or like to or like to only create offense off of odd man rushes that sees nine passes back and forth if we know this i feel like other teams do too right like if if uh, and that's that's the counterpoint to that is not every team can stop it so they're not they're not incentivized to stop playing that way because it works enough in the regular season that 
it works that they, you sure. know, they win 50 games, but, and we talked about this. And then you this, get to the playoffs and then it gets shuts down. It, the, that, that play gets shut down. And the problem is, is that they don't have a plan B. If that's, if that's your primary method of creating offense and it gets stopped because everyone know every, like everyone reads the book on you. Okay. Well then what's your plan B? The problem is, is that I don't know what their plan B is. They don't have one. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I, I, they do not have a sufficient alternative strategy to when they are that line in particular is not getting rush opportunities. Now, as far as supplementing this group, we've seen two names come off the board. I was a little bit interested in Lindholm, but the price probably would have been a little much for what I would have wanted to pay, especially considering they probably couldn't afford it to keep him. Thank God they didn't give up a first round pick for Sean Monahan because yeah. he's being breathed on away from going on LTIR. Like Sean Monahan's having a nice season. He's a solid hockey player, but his medical history is just a massive one long, massive red flag. And the Rangers don't have the assets to be burning on a guy who may or may not be able to survive a long playoff run. No. Well, that's a thing, a first and also a conditional third. Now I understand that these general managers are essentially playing with toys that they won't have anyway. Like if, if you think about it, if they trade away a pick, that's, five or six years down the road, the likelihood that they'll actually be there to one draft a player at, at that pick and to see their development is, is, is pretty low. So, you know, these GMs don't necessarily care about super long-term asset management, but a trading a first, a first round pick and a th- conditional third for essentially a third liner who, like you said, is, you know, a, a light breeze away from, from breaking seven bones in his body. Like that's, that's a lot. Uh, that's tough. I understand why Winnipeg did it from the standpoint of, you know, they're, they've been such a dominant team to this point that these picks are just candy to them. Like it doesn't matter. Just do whatever it takes to bolster your team as best as you can. I get that from a GM's perspective, from a long-term point of view, first and a third for a third line center, who is, who was as brittle as you know as i don't know like a very thin piece of glass i, I can't think of i can't think of uh the joel Embiid. there we go yeah, well uh unfortunate unfortunate uh but yeah like it's 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 a lot it is a lot to give up and i'm glad the rangers didn't do that would you like something to laugh about sure you know how we uh we we make fun of general managers for like not really knowing what they're doing uh sure the kings brought in dj smith as a consultant to coach the Kings, considering how great a job he did in Ottawa. I I think the Kings can't possibly spare the wisdom that would come by bringing (laughs) DJ Smith into their front office to help with their coaching staff. I think like, I think part of that is because the senators aren't playing better under Jacques Martin. I think, I think like they, they probably would have done it anyway because the NHL is the NHL and this is these are the things that happen regardless. But the senators aren't doing much anything better than they have, and you know, under Jacques Martin, they have on, under DJ Smith. So that kind of shows that that's not just a coaching issue. I'm sure DJ Smith. I'm sure there were issues in the you know whether it be in this playbook or in the locker room, or what have you. I don't know, but it's not like Jacques Martin just came out of the, out of the sky and now is leading the sense to 11 straight wins. Like that, that's not what happened. So I, I, I guess there are worse options out there for consultants. Maybe I had, but I don't know. Strange. Well, it's the NHL. It's the NHL. The NHL loves doing that kind of stuff. So, all right. So circling back to the Rangers, 
There are a lot of names still out there. We know the Rangers have been linked to Henrique. They've been linked to Frank Vetrano. There was some conjecture earlier today. Friedman and Merrick linked them to possibly Boone Jenner. I think the real issue that a lot of Ranger fans don't want to accept is none of those guys is meaningfully altering the direction of the team. We talked about this in the opening 10 minutes of the show. Even if you add Boone Jenner to this team, if you add Frank Vetrano and Adam Henrique to this team, it is ultimately going to come down to Zabinijad, Kreider, Panarin, Trocek, Truba, Miller, Fox, Lindgren. Ultimately, and Shesterkin. And Shesterkin, of course. Well, they're not replacing Shesterkin, so sure. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's so, still it still comes out it still comes out to him at the end of the day as well. Oh yeah, ultimately that's the single most important yeah. player on this team is Shesterkin. If he doesn't get going, they could add Sidney Crosby to this team, and it probably wouldn't matter all that much because of how bad the team defense. I mean, is. looking at the Penguins. Now they have Crosby. <laughs> they're not. Uh, they're Tristan both, Jari's having a Tr- decent Trist- season. Trist- Tristan Jari's, you know, having a good season. But the rest, the rest of the teams, uh, they're bottom yeah. six, and they're they're five of their four of their six defensemen, three of their six defensemen, all terrible. So I went and pulled some Boone Jenner numbers. So the one thing I will say, number one, he's actually pretty good creating high danger offense he's in the upper echelon of the league of all forwards in generating high danger offense which isn't something i expected from him considering he's slow as hell i didn't think he'd be able to get to the net front but that makes sense you know big physical intangibles wins face-offs you know everything that the hockey men love is what boone jenner is remember how the leafs got massive praise for trading for nick felino at the deadline a couple years ago that's the exact same type of box here Jenner, over a 10% career shooter, above average shooter, but he is not, if you hypothetically bring him in, you put him in between Will Cooley and Capo Caco. That's a pretty nice third line. I can see a world where that's pretty effective. That gives you another line you can give a few more minutes to, take another few minutes off from your fourth line. The issue I have with a Boone Jenner type, and this is true of a lot of these rentals, there are holes. If they were, if there weren't holes in these guys' games, they wouldn't be deadline of rentals. They would be extended. Boone Jenner, also, you know, old. I think he's 31, 32 years old. Number two, he's 33 years old when his contract expires. So he's 31 and that, right like, now. I'm not too worried about that in the sense that if the Rangers essentially are borrowing two months of his three months of his time, he's not 38. He's not 39. He's not broken by any means. 33 while not 25 for a third line center who is still, you know, good in his role. I don't mind that he's 33. I don't mind that the Rangers would try to get him as a rental because of his skill set and because, you know, he's still valuable to a team. But Boone Jenner is not a rental is what I meant to say. He's 31. He's got two more years of team control. Are you ready to roll the dice on a 31-year-old who's been pretty much a negative possession player his entire career, 32, 33, on a team that doesn't have a lot of cap space and is already slow and big? Like, I know there's a lot of conjecture that the Rangers aren't tough enough, which arguably, if you wanted to say they're not a very physical team, I would concede they're not. But adding one physical guy will not make the team overall more physical. Sure, it gives you a pretty good third line. In an ideal world, Cooley, Jenner, and Kako, that's a really solid checking line that would be able to play decent matchup that you could play against other teams' first lines and do a decent job against them. But, but 
Are they going to generate the offense you need from a third line to go on a deep run? That is why, and I still argue, they need to be looking at wingers who can play with Zabinijad and Kreider because if they are going to go anywhere, it is going to be because they got more out of Zabinijad and Kreider as opposed to the individual player they brought in. Whether it's Vetrano, whether it's Jordan Eberle, I don't know who else. Maybe it's Daniel Sprong. I know Detroit's in the mix, but maybe you could find a way to make that work. I feel like it's got to be a wing more than it's got to be a third line center right now. Well, the first, yeah, well, if you can swing it, getting both, getting, getting both would be ideal. Sure. But yeah, I mean, the best way to, to score more goals against the other team coming to playoffs is to get your best players to, you know, a third guy that can help do that. So I would, if, if you gave me an option, you're like, okay, well, we can get a first line winger or a third line center. The, the answer is always going to be a first line winger. Always, 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 always. But the, the, the Rangers have two massive holes right now. So while filling one would be great, the ideal is to figuring if you're really if you really want to be a contender this season, if you really want to say, okay, everyone else stinks, we're the best team here, we, we have what it takes to go for it, then you have to find a way to get both filled. There's, there's no world in which you can say to yourself, we're the best team in the league, we can win it all, oh, but we're not going to fill one of our holes. That's not, you're, you're kidding yourself at that point. So, but, but the Rangers don't, I, like, we, like we talked about, they don't have a lot of cap space, they, don't, they, they have assets, but they don't have uh, a treasure an abundance trove of, assets, of them. Yeah, yeah they, don't, they don't have a lot of them. So, okay, if you trade away some or most of them this season and you want to run it back again next year, well, you, you're going to have to keep reaching in the cookie jar. Eventually, it's going to be empty. So the Rangers have to figure out a way to, if they, if they truly feel they can win the cup this year, figuring out a way to plug both of their biggest holes, their both of their biggest problems while also keeping something in the cupboards for next season for the, for the next run. It really does feel like this is going to be a seller's market just because there aren't a lot of good players available. I mean, Lindholm got a pretty copious return. Now, you can litigate the individual value of each of those assets. Like the one prospect defenseman they got, the Flames got, is you know a third-round pick. He's a little on the small side. He's not the strongest skater, but has a chance to be an NHLer. Same thing with the other prospect they got. Vancouver Kuzmenko, fans were really upset. that they, What was his name? Hunter uh, Brustowitz, I think his name is? Yeah, like Brustowitz, yeah. Fans were not happy. Like, apparently, yeah. he's having a really good season. So He is. He's cooking in the OHL, but, you know, junior stats always, th- sure, they don't sure. necessarily translate. Yeah, sure. listen, I, I I watch too much hockey for, for my for my psyche, and I also work in, in basketball media. So I don't know anything about the OHL. I rely on people that watch those games to tell me how good someone else, yeah. someone is. The fact that fans and you know analysts were saying that he's really good—that's that's all I need. Like I don't. For uh, sure. I I there's only 24 hours a day. I don't I don't have time to watch Hunter Brustowitz tape. I'm sorry. No, of course not. Of course not. We're not, we're not up on our third round picks. So no. In unlocking more of this team, I think the biggest thing we can talk about as far as the next few weeks, because I don't want to say the Rangers' hand is being forced, but. The trade deadline musical chairs game is underway. Like eventually they can only wait for so long. Like I know they went to the last minute to get Patrick Kane done last year, but they also did Tarasenko and Mikola like a month ahead of time. So I'm hoping 
the Rangers can get this going sooner rather than later because like we talked about last week, once they get here, you actually have to integrate them successfully, which was a real issue for the Rangers last year. They didn't really find a way to integrate Tarasenko or Kane very well. They just uh, tried everything they could to accommodate them and didn't really get a lot of trial run to figure out what worked best. No matter who you bring in, there's going to be an adjustment period. Like Even if it's Frank Vitrano, who's played with Zabinijad and Kreider before, there will be an adjustment period. I am hopeful the Rangers don't give away the store at the deadline. But, and we can talk, we can wrap up on this note. I will say, I do think there will start to be Drury conversations after this year if they get bounced in the first round. Oh, I think yeah. that, I think that's a valid, even, even from people who aren't as, um, lunatic as we are, as passionate as we are from the more casual fan of like, well, you fired the last coach because you got bounced in the first round. This team got bounced in the first round again. You're the one who gave Zabinijad and Fox those extensions. You're the one who brought in Barkley Goodrow. You're the one who you're the one who brought in Vinny Trocek. You know, at some point it's and this ties perfectly into what we were talking about most of the episode. You built this team around Zabinijad, Kreider, Fox, Shesterkin. You did not do enough to bring the best out of those guys. At some point, it's not just the coach, it's not just the players. There's going to be, and the discourse isn't, isn't just going to come from us. Like the, the writers, and I'm sure even, you know, the, the big media uh, insider check marks who get beaten by graphic designers, they'll all say the same thing of, like, like you just said, okay, well, you fire Gallant, you're bringing La, La Violette, and that objectively was a good decision. No matter, no matter how you look at it, I, under, I understand they wouldn't have fired him if Gallant made the second round or maybe, or maybe beyond that. We don't know. We can't, you know, it's what at that, that's kind of discussion for thin air, but La Violette replacing Gallant objectively was a good decision. But if the result is the same, then what difference does it really make? That's the biggest thing is at that point, like you said, it highlights the, the fundamental flaws that the current general manager has built with the team. Okay, well, you change the you change the coach. He comes in. He actually practices with the team. There's actually a plan. He has he has a plan B and a plan C where Gallant didn't have one. Okay, that's great, but they still lost. So at that point, now it's okay. Well, Drury, Christopher, you built this team, and they can't get it done. Now what are you gonna do? So. And yes. But before we, before we, I will, I will add an addendum. Some of this stuff was not entirely his decision. Sure. Truba, Panarin, Zabinijad, you could argue they probably should have extended before he blew up. If you wanted to argue that, that Jeff Gorton kind of fumbled the bag by not getting that taken care of, I would agree with you. I, this is not only on jury. These are long-term decision-making yeah. situations that have gotten them to this point. Sure. But ultimately... He is the one who has pushed chips in two straight deadlines. They overachieved two years ago. We all agree. Last year, they underachieved. Sam Rosen agreed with that, by the yeah, way. If, if, for sure. And if you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. We had, a, uh, we had Sam Rosen on the show this past Friday. He said that the Rangers overachieved the two years ago. Like that's, yeah. that's an established thing within the organization is like, hey, they shouldn't have made it, but they did. Yeah, they had one of the best goaltending seasons of all time get them within two games of the Stanley Cup final. 
Shit like that doesn't happen, frankly. You know, like as great as Shesterkin is, he's probably never going to be that good again, just because that's one of the best goaltending seasons of all time. As we wrap up here, I do want to say, looking forward to going to the game tonight. Unfortunately, they will probably lose because I will because be Because you're attendance. there. God, yes. Good. Hey, man, just never my- lose when I'm there, and they always lose when you're there. I don't know. I, I was know. on a good run last year. I went undefeated every single game I went to. They won last year, so it's probably just everything balancing out. But we'll see. Yeah, but I I I forget what my record because I haven't been in a while. I think I'm like 35 and two or 34 and two or something ridiculous like that. Just give me your tickets, bro. I'll go. It's fine. They'll win. When it's your birthday, we can have a discussion. <laughs> I'm the birthday boy, goddamn. That's damn right. It. That's right. That's right. You are, what are you, 66 now? Yeah, I'm almost eligible to join the old hockey men club. <laughs> a couple more years. Once I file for social security, I'll be eligible to join the hockey men club. Mm. And then my future nephews and cousins can get jobs in perpetuity. That's right. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Liberty Blue Pod. We will talk to you guys next Monday. We are live every Monday, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts or over on YouTube. See you guys next week. Hopefully the Rangers win tonight. Sam Rosen, last Friday. Go check that out. Later.